Christmas is over. It comes quickly. It goes by even more quickly. We've opened now all the presents. Uh, we'll soon take down all the lights, all the tree, uh, all the decorations we will put away. And then tonight we'll finish off the last piece of pie. For me, uh, it's going to be a cheesecake. And life will move on. Life will move on. It is now 364 days until Christmas. During this month leading to Christmas, I've preached four sermons on the Christmas names of Jesus. I've preached on Sunday nights three sermons on Simeon and Anna. Uh, we have sung all of the great songs. It was a great time. It was a, a great focus. Well, before we move on, I want to make one last stop today, keeping our focus one more time on the events of Christmas and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you this morning, here's the deal. Our study of the events of Christmas is just the start. Our study this year in the Gospel of John, it was just the start. In fact, I will tell you all of the events of your life bringing you to this very day is just the start. Because the truth is, for us as believers, the best is still ahead. And so let me tell you this morning, wherever you find yourself today, whatever condition you're found in, whatever station of life you're existing in, Merry Christmas, the best is still ahead. Today our message is entitled, Exalt and Rejoice. Exalt and Rejoice. We're going to look at two verses today. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47. Exalt and Rejoice. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come today. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for the hope that we have in a Savior that has come, a Savior that has endured and finished the work of the cross a Savior that stands as the King of all kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I pray that, that today we would hear from you in your word, that you would speak to us, that you would lead us. I pray, Lord, that it would be a marvelous thing. I pray for these that are here and listening in person, these listening in some other means. I pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to you today. And the result would be you would be known. You'd be lifted up and you be glorified. Lord, we give you this time. We ask that you move in it. We thank you for the opportunity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, I want this to be a very personal sermon, meaning I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you. Sometimes people get upset and they say, well, it seems like you're talking to me. I actually had a couple of people say they weren't coming back because I'm always talking to them. Well, today I am talking to you. I'll go ahead and tell you up front. And my prayer, more important, is God through his word is talking to you. And I, I intend, and my prayer, my hope, is that this will be a very personal message for you. I am talking to you. And here is the question of the day. 
So what will you do now? And again, don't look around. It's not for somebody else. Well, I hope they hear that. I'm talking to you. What will you do now? You see, God's word calls for a response. It calls for a response. I preach, and when I do, the goal is that there will be a response. God, in fact, tells us in his word that, that we ought not just sit there and take in his word, but that we would actually be wise and be doers of his word. And so I asked the question today, a very personal question, so what will you do now? Now let me give you some options. One, you can do nothing. You can plot away, you can put away all of the stuff. You can let the word of God and the truth of our Savior pass into the distance and you can do nothing. That is one of your options. It is easy. It doesn't require anything. It is quite comfortable. But let me promise you this. Your existence will have no joy. You can do nothing. Here's another option. You can go back to doing what you were doing. Now, whatever that was, you can go back at it. Maybe now you're rested up. Maybe now you're ready to go. And you can go back to doing whatever it was that you were doing. You can go back to chasing the things that you've been chasing. We call this getting back to normal. People say, I'm ready to get back to a routine. I'm ready to get back to normal. Listen, you can do that. That's one of your options. Let me tell you something. The normal pursuits of a normal life will produce normal results. Be sure of that. Hear that again. The normal pursuits of a normal life will produce the normal result. I want you to look around. Do you see how tired people are? Do you see how stressed out people are? Do you see how empty people are? Now, they may pretend to have it all together, but do, do you see how empty they are? Do you see how angry and agitated people are? The normal pursuits of a normal life will produce a normal result. You can go back to doing whatever it was you were doing. Let me tell you another option. You can be so blown away, and I'm talking about today, you can be so blown away by the love of God, by the grace of God, by our wonderful Savior Jesus, that you can submit to him and you can say, Lord, I'm ready to be used. Lord, I submit to your plan. Use me for something great. You can actually say, seeing the glory of God, God, let's go. Let me tell you, life may be hard, but you'll have a purpose in it. And that purpose won't pass away. That purpose will be eternal. And your life can matter. And you can be filled with joy. And you can get up excited in the morning. And you can go to bed tired at night. And God will be glorified in your life. And you will be glad. And so here's the question. What will you do now? Today we're going to look at a statement by the mother of Jesus, Mary, and this statement, this verse, I believe will be a guide to us, will be an encouragement to us this morning as we make our decision. Now let's look at these verses, let's look at this statement, and then let's come back 
and work through it. I'm going to back all the way up to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. I'm going to start off by reading verses 26 and 27 together. Now listen to the account. <clears throat> now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. It tells us here in verse 27, her name was Mary. Now I want you to watch this. Mary is a version of the Hebrew name Miriam, Miriam. Miriam, we know, was the sister of Moses. The name in Hebrew, the, the meaning of the name, it means rebellious one. That's what it means, rebellious one. It, isn't that strange? Mary, her name means rebellious one. It doesn't mean grace. It doesn't mean mercy. It doesn't mean favored one. Her name actually means rebellious one. Well, it's not as you might think. Go back to Miriam, Moses' sister. She did rebel, not against God, but against the rulers of Egypt. You see, Miriam was not okay with being a slave. She was not okay with her people existing in the hopeless existence of being slaves. And so the Bible tells us she rebelled by preserving and aiding and protecting God's deliverer. When? When he came as a baby. And in doing so, she had her part in God's plan to set his people free. What a perfect name. Her name was Mary, she was not okay with the slavery of sin. She was looking for God's deliverer, for God's Savior. What a perfect name. Her name is Mary. Verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The word favored one means recipient of God's grace. Verse 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was, verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David." And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in the sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now here in these verses, she hears the news. The news is mind-boggling. Really, if you think about it, that is crazy 
that is absurd. Really, it is earth-shattering news. Now, I want you to think about this. We can't truly imagine all the ways that this is going to impact her. Now, we, we think, well, we, we can kind of look at this and see it's going to be a, a difficulty for her. It's going to be a hardship for her. We can't imagine all of the ways this is going to impact her. Here is her response, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, look, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She says in verse 38, she had heard the word of God. She had believed the message. She had trusted in her God. And she says, I am in. That is a response of radical faith. Do not miss that. That is a response of radical faith. Young people understand today, most likely she was around 14 or 15 years old. And this is her response. Can you imagine that? At this young age, this is her response. She says, look, the slave of God, the bondservant of God, let it be as you have said. Behold the bondservant of the Lord. Let me ask, what will you do now? Will you do nothing Will you go back to normal? From there she goes and she spends three months, the Bible says, with Elizabeth, the to-be mother of John the Baptist. Now, I'm not going to read that account. When you read that, when she gets there, Elizabeth greets her. And after the greeting, Mary responds with what is called Mary's song or is referred to as Mary's hymn. It is, referred, it is recorded in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And so they have a greeting. After that, she responds with what is called Mary's hymn or Mary's song. If you want to read the whole thing, it's recorded in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Now, the opening lines are what we are looking at today. Now, I want you to remember this. She says this before. This is her song before the birth of Jesus. This is her response. This is her song before the report of the shepherds. This is her, this is her response before the message of Simeon. Very quickly, this is her song. This is her response. I'm going to read both verses together. And then again, we'll look at them piece by piece. Verses 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Listen to those words. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary starts off and she says, My soul. My soul. The word soul here is the Greek word psyche. It translates self or life or core. That's what it translates. Some, some might even talk about your heart. 
And so it refers to her, her life, her self, the very core of her being. She says, my soul exalts. Now, exalts, this is a great word. It means magnifies. It means to enlarge. It means to declare or show great. And, and she goes on from there and says, the Lord. Now, this is a reference. We saw this last week to God, Adonai, the Lord God. And so Mary's response starts off and she says, my life, my heart makes much of God. That is what she is saying. My life declares the greatness of God. Friends, I want you to be sure this is not some token response. This is not some religious response. This is not some happy little response. No, she says that her life, her, her core, her heart screams out, holds up, and declares the greatness of God. He is everything to her, and her life declares the greatness of God. Then she goes on and says, and means also. My spirit, the word spirit here is the Greek word pneuma. It means spirit or most literally breath. It also, like the word soul, refers to her inner being. And so it's not a separate thing. It's really referring to the same thing. Her, her breath, her heart, her, her life. She goes on and says, has rejoiced, has rejoiced. My spirit has rejoiced. That translates rejoices greatly. Now listen to this. Most literally it translates to jump for joy. That's the most literal translation. To jump for joy, to leap in joy. And so here's what Mary says. Here's what her response is. Her heart, her spirit leaps for joy, leaps in joy. Then she says, in God, my Savior. Now, the last of that's very important. Why does she leap in joy? Why does, why does her life exalt God? Says, in God, my Savior. You see, some teach incorrectly about Mary. Some say she was divine or that she is divine. Some would say that she had never sinned, that she never sinned. Some say that she can intercede somehow for us. No, none of that's true. I want you to see here in her own words, her heart jumped, her words, in God my Savior. Now what that means is, listen to me, she needed a Savior. Mary, yes, she was favored. Yes, she's the recipient of God's grace. She needed a Savior. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was lost without a Savior. She longed for her Savior. Knowing her sin, knowing herself, she longed for a Savior. And now she accepted the truth of God's Word. The one that she carried would be her Savior. And so she rejoiced in her, in her Savior. Her heart and her spirit jumped, leaped in joy. God is our salvation. Jesus, the baby of the womb, is our Savior. And joy is 
the response. That's what the verse is saying. So let me show you this. Her life exalted the Lord. Her life made much of the Lord. That's a good translation. Her life made known the Lord. Here's the question today. Does ours? Does yours? That's the question when we read this. That's that's the question we come to this morning after we've passed through the events of our celebration of Christmas Does your life, listen to me, I'm trying to be personal, listen to me. Does your life scream, there is a God and he is great and he is our savior, he is our hope. Does your life, your life make much of the Lord or does it belittle the Lord? Does it make his name small? And let me tell you this morning, There is no neutral ground. You see, here's the trap that we live in today. And I've watched it for years. I see it all around us. Here's the trap we fall in today. There are some, and they like to hope that how they live as a believer doesn't matter. Well, God is this, and he's done this, and how I live as a believer doesn't matter. They would like to hope that their life is neutral, that it doesn't reflect poorly upon God. I live my life, that's my business, and they like to hope that they're neutral. And so they participate in the things of the world, and they put their stock in the things of the world, and they march headlong into the things of the world, but all the time, they profess faith in Jesus. And they hope that somehow their life will be neutral. Let me tell you, friends, that's a farce, that's not true. Can you imagine, now look at Mary. Can you imagine, can you imagine saying, declaring, there is a God and he is all powerful and he is perfect in wisdom. Every decision's perfect. His wisdom is perfect and he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. He loves me. And I don't know why, but he wants wants me to know him. He wants me to walk with him and where I'd sinned and where I'd messed that up, where I'd broken my relationship, he sent Jesus, my savior, and in him is life and he has defeated this world and he has defeated the grave and he stands as the king. Can you imagine saying that and your life somehow not making much of him? Can you imagine saying, Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the Savior, but hoping your life would be neutral? Or worse yet, can you imagine your life makes others believe he's less than powerful? I see your life and I see how you respond and your life reflects that he's not loving at all. How could he do these things? He's not trustworthy. That's what your life promotes. I don't trust him. And your life belittles him. Mary says, my soul, my life makes much of the Lord. So what will you do now? So what will we do now? Nothing. 
Are we content really to do nothing, go back to normal? I've, I've made it this far doing these things. Are you really going to go back to normal? Let me show you one last thing. Our, our cheesecake is waiting. Let me show you one last thing. Let me read the verses again. Watch this. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. You see, these are inseparable. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Here's the truth. And maybe it's the problem. And for sure, it's the answer. Your life won't make much of him your life won't exalt him until it has rejoiced in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's why those things are linked together. Your life won't exalt him. Your, your life won't heave up the greatness of his name until your life has rejoiced in him. Listen to me, friend. You have to know him. We have to know him. We have to see him. We have to, as the song said, we have to adore him. Do you adore him? We have to relish him. We have to desire him. You have to know as a, as a matter of fact that he has saved you. In his grace, he has forgiven you of your sin. He's, he's restored you. He loves you. He wants you. And your soul has jumped for joy in him. What a savior we have. What a Lord we have. Has your soul rejoiced and jumped in joy for him? Let me tell you something. 16 years, I've preached Christmas sermons. And I've never been so excited. And I've never been so sure. And my life has never left so much because my Savior, Jesus Christ, is worthy. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. So what will you do? First thing I want to tell you to do is this, trust him. Turn to him. Receive him by faith. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen, turn to him. He'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll do that. The first thing you do is you trust in him. The call of this whole season is he came that you might believe, trust in him. Second thing you do is this, listen, all of us. So then abide in him, not in the world, not in the crud of this world. Walk in obedience with him. Be led by the word of God. Stay close to him. Stay close to his side. The second thing is this, so abide in him. And the last thing today as we wrap up this year and move into a new year. Ask God, God, use me. Use me this year. Use me in this station of life. Use me at the place I am now. You, use me in my age, whatever it is, young or old. God, use me. Let my life exalt, lift up, magnify your name. He'll bless those things. Trust him. Abide in him. Ask him to use you this year. The young girl said, Mary, 
My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Very Father, we come. I, I pray we couldn't be so hard. I, I pray we wouldn't be so complacent. I pray we couldn't be so apathetic to pass through the stories and the accounts of God himself humbling himself, coming as Emmanuel, God in flesh, be abused, to be spat upon, to be misunderstood, and to die a terrible death in my place for my sin. I pray we couldn't see that and not be impacted. I pray, we, Lord, we wouldn't, that we wouldn't be content to just move on. And I, I pray, Lord, that we would respond to the truth of the gospel message we've heard. I pray for some believing that's a step of faith, of trusting you for the very first time. I, I pray that's the fruit of, of this season, of these, of these great truths we've heard. I pray they trust you and turn to you in faith. I pray for those of us that have believed in you and have trusted you. We've received your grace. We stand forgiven wearing the righteousness of our Savior Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that we couldn't go back to sleep I pray we couldn't go back to the world that we left, that we've been pulled out of. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be obedient, useful, and willing, and able in your empowerment to exalt our Lord, my Lord. Lord, I pray that we would consider this today. I pray that it would bear an impact in each person that's hearing today. And I pray the fruit of that would be the world would know there is a kind, gracious, Savior, and his name is Jesus. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. And I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. Again, we're calling for a response. God's word calls for a response. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna tell you, his grace is offered to you right now. In the hearing of the gospel, his grace is offered to you right now. He'll forgive you of your sin right now. He'll restore you right now. He'll redeem you. It's already paid for the cross of Calvary right now. If you'll turn to him, call upon him, he'll save you. If that's your response, do that right now. Don't wait another minute. Settle that today. Just a moment, we're gonna sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if you, if you need more information, you come. Let's settle that today. Second part of our response is this. Those of us that have believed, let us be changed today. Let the prayer of our heart be, God, let, let, let me be tenderhearted. Let me be persuaded again, convinced again, given again, obedient, and that we'd be useful to his cause. And that's our response. Maybe you're coming, you've made a decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. We want to give you an opportunity as well. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God's led you here. We'd encourage you to come and we'll serve together his gospel, his name until he comes again. I'm gonna ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit during this time. Now, I believe it's truly the most important time of our service. You pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, maybe you wanna come pray to an altar. Maybe you wanna come pray with me. If God has spoken to you as we stand to sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on. I'll meet you here, you come on. I'll meet you here.